Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host. Happy to be here with some more really, really smart, savvy, interesting people in the automotive industry. And today, I'm happy to bring you a conversation with Mike Dar at Cap Gemini and Tom Madonna at SAP. Welcome, gentlemen. And I don't want to read your bios because that would be an hour each because you're all so experienced. You have so much to tell us about your background. So why don't we take a couple minutes? Mike Dar, would you be so kind as to introduce yourself? Go ahead. Sure. Thank you. Um, pleasure to be with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, as you shared, my name is Mike Dar. I'm the North American Automotive Lead for the Invent Division. Um, Invent is our uh, consulting organization focused on innovation, transformation, data strategy, and all things new and exciting, um, certainly for me in the space. Um, so pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much. I understand. Uh, I'm keeping you up on the screen here, Mark. Little Birdie told me that you rebuilt an engine block when you were 12 years old. And people love to know <laughs> the backgrounds. Come on, you got to tell us about that coming of age in automotive story. 12 years old. Mike, tell me the story, okay. please. Okay, <laughs> thanks. Um, you know, I think uh, probably a lot of your your listeners, your viewers could relate to this. Um I grew up with not a whole lot of uh, not a whole lot of money, so um, we always had multiple cars uh, in the driveway, not all of which worked simultaneously. Uh, so I was the one kid in the family that not only held the flashlight but paid attention. Uh, so I had an affinity for it. I really love it. I love it to this day. And yeah, um, I knew that if I wanted to have a car running by the time I was 16, I needed to get started on it um, early. So yeah, rebuilt rebuilt an engine um, starting at about 12 and. And, uh, and, and had it running as my high school car. And you were driving a manual transmission at 14. There's a whole history yeah. here people would love yeah. to know, but we're going to have to invite yeah. you back for a full show. Mike Dar, Happy pleasure to meet you. Tom Madonna, I know you through SAP. You've been on some shows with me. You're going to be on some shows with me. So welcome, Tom, to Automotive Insiders. And would you please do me the honor of introducing yourself to our listeners, Tom? Sure. Thanks, Bonnie. Appreciate the, uh, the opportunity. Um, it's a uh, been a long track for myself. Um, I can't see myself in regards to the gray hairs, but uh, thirty plus years in the uh, in the industry, um, which includes uh, majority of that in the ecosystem. So uh, doing consulting uh, at a lot of the uh, the big partners that we have, and moved over to SAP uh, just uh, just a bit ago. But uh, spent twenty five years in in manufacturing, twenty two years in the industry. Uh, started back. Uh, Working uh, prior to uh, the uh, dot com uh, issues, and then uh, basically worked myself through that. As far as uh, personal, I am a car guy, so uh, I like speed. I think uh, on a previous podcast that uh, you and I did, we talked about uh, uh, the rev of the engine and uh, not giving up the keys. So at this point in time, uh, I've always had a, a nice uh, a sports car or a nice uh, fast one in the in the driveway, and uh, today's no different. Uh, ultimately. Uh, I knew one. It's got uh, over 400 horse uh, and uh, 
basically is an all-wheel drive. So it's, uh, it's an interesting, uh, interesting mover. We're going to have to call this episode Vroom, Tom, in your honor. Thank you very much. Yes, I hosted a, an SAP industry conference a couple of years ago, and I interviewed lots of people, dozens of people. And I think my closing question for each segment was, when it comes to a couple of years up, down the road, up the pike, whatever direction you're going, will you still have your own car keys in your pocket? Tom, obviously, I asked a good question because you remember it very well. Mike is nodding. Mike, will you in two or three years still be driving your own vehicle? Absolutely, um, for life. Though, though I'm a firm believer in the, the the value that's coming with you know connected autonomous and shared and electrification. Um, yeah, you better believe I'll always have some fun car keys in my pocket. That's three of us. Good, good to. I knew I liked both of you. Now let's get to some very interesting topical questions. I'll start with Mike Dar, and then I'll bounce the question over to Tom. And we have three questions. The first one is: Let's talk about the reopening of the industry, the automotive industry, and what it means to Industry 4.0, to safety and other concerns. Big question, big challenge for manufacturers who were closed here in the U.S. for 45 days. Oh my goodness! And opening safety. How do we bring people back where they need? to be in a factory setting they can't do remotely. Mike Dar, talk to me. What's your perspective? Oh, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we are living in this very strange new normal. Um, you know, here we are in entering the fall uh, of 2020, and, and many of us are still working remote. But uh, when it comes to the automotive industry, that that simply won't do. Um, you've got to be manufacturing the the, the products and the components and the people have got to be um, there in order to be doing that. So industry 4.0, I think we had talked about it, you know, certainly for years now as the, the promise of the future. Well, this, this acceleration to the, this new normal and this future that we're operating in now um, is going to benefit from, um, from the investments that have been made and the investments that will be made in 4.0. Um, so that you're able to to manage and track the the, the not only the flow of product um, but also the whereabouts of your team members to ensure their safety, the safety of your overall workforce, um, and ultimately the 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 families that they go home to. So having that level of visibility um, in this space is going to be critical moving forward, and is in itself being becoming a new normal. Thank you very much. I like the word normal. I don't always agree with that. I think it's a new abnormal. But anyway, what we're living through, this is an era unto no. itself. Tom Madonna, join us. Industry 4.0. Oh, I know that's one of your passion topics. So join me. Uh, comments on what Mike Dar shared. Go ahead, Tom. I think he's spot on. I think uh, one of the things that we're seeing in the industry right now is just a, a whole ability of, of safety and tracking. You know, one, identifying uh, where and uh, who uh, may have it, tracking that back to shift work center um, line that a particular person worked on, um, tracking on a day-to-day basis, people walking in and, you know, getting their, their temperature checked before they can actually move on. Mm-hmm. If they're getting sick, they're getting sent home. And then you have to look at where that uh, person has been. I think several of the new things that are out right now, which uh, I find interesting, um, several of our technology partners have started to put together wearables that have actually moved their way into the manufacturing line. Mm-hmm. And you start to look at the tracking that's going on. If a wearable gets cl- too close to somebody else, the, the actual wearable goes off and there's actually an alarm or a, a red uh, structure comes out, causing the person to move you know, back a, a foot or two to basically go through it. So the tracking of six feet 
uh, the safety that goes with it. I mean, I think one of the things that was very important that the OEMs did uh, just uh, through the process of being shut down was they moved to, you know, creating the PPPs, uh, doing the doing the uh, the respirators, et cetera. So, you know, the organizations that were in the industry basically stepped up uh, for the nation, uh, created a bunch of new things, and then basically stockpiled, you know, a lot of their own supplies, allowing them. So once that 45, 50 days occurred, allowing them to reopen by having PPEs available for everybody that actually need to be using. But you start to look at what the new norm is, uh, that safety, uh, that safety protocol, tracking of that, uh, being able to, uh, one, uh, detect and then trace back to where that particular person may be. And then anything that goes along with the technology that allows them to do that uh, freely or, or instantly is going to be something that's going to be imperative for the, for the industry to uh, not only stay open, uh, but then to also uh, be a proactive uh, prevention uh, structure within uh, the lines and, and the people that go through it. That doesn't include anything that happens with the office. I think the offices are also starting to see what that's going to mean in regards to what the tracking is going to be there. And I think that the lines are going to be kind of the first attempt at, at doing something correctly. And then you're going to have to move that to what happens with the offices and, and how the offices and engineering and business services come back to, to the norm also. Thank you very much. Very interesting. I just got a note from Adam Slayman at OESA, and he said the tool is great. The one you mentioned, Tom, he <laughs> said he's been seeing this on hard knocks for the NFL. I yeah. didn't know that they had wearables where there were uh, an alert. I, I know I've seen people in my community riding bicycles with a long, it looks like one of those pool toys that you would have in the a pool, mm-hmm. one of those uh, worms or whatever they call it, people use for floating devices. Yep. And they would have it on their shoulders on a bike, meaning nobody get, hopefully cars, don't nobody get close to me. Or when they're walking, they carry this. And I've seen these in uh, early photos in the pandemic of cafes in Paris where they had these devices on the backs of chairs so that nobody would sit a chair closer than this six feet to somebody else, but a device with an alarm, that's, that's fascinating. And all I can say is it's about time that this kind of technology was applied for that kind of safety. Very, very important. Thank you. Gentlemen, I think we're segueing very nicely into my next point here. And and let's talk about how is the automotive industry working through the new norm for skilled workers as more and more generations are leaving the workforce because of COVID and because of safety concerns? Who is going to step up? Who's going to be there? Mike Dar, we'd love to get your perspective. What do you see? Uh, so um, thank you for that. The, uh, my perspective on that is that I believe there are opportunities. Um, and yes, many members of skilled workforce are making a decision um, to move on to the to next phase of, of their of their lives, uh, which means that to um, some new field. Um, and that means an opportunity to, to bring in new resources in some cases um, to train them, the organizational train change management associated with of those um, is is absolutely key. Um, but it also touches, you know, on the last topic, um, and, and that is around the Industry 4.0 um, and the IoT aspects of this. There are some work functions that um, can, you can apply some intelligent automation to um, and, and both enable um, it, it more capability um, per team member, perhaps, um, or even the auto, full automation of some of those functions. Um, so it, it's a it's a topic that uh, you know is certainly top of mind um, for speaking clients who are who are considering this head on right now. 
um, and one that I think that we will, will, you know, have many benefits from come forward. So, um, yeah, so that, that's my prediction. Certainly a lot of changes foot right now. And uh, I think we're going to come into a, a very exciting time uh, based on that. Exciting time is a good thing. Thank you. We love optimism. Mm -hmm. Tom Madonna, need to get your thoughts on as more and more generations leave the workforce because of what we're going through right now. What do you see, Tom? So I think there's uh, there's been several studies on even OESA put out the uh, third quarter barometer study on the on the suppliers that uh, talk to some of the things that suppliers are seeing and looking at. And four of the top ten points were all about resources. So uh, in, in two fashions, uh, the first was finding resources. So the hiring process, the, the training process, the retaining, and then the retirement structures that went through it. I think the, the main thing that we see with IoT and Industry 4.0 is just the, the upskill that needs to occur. So you're reskilling or upskilling resources that might be doing something that now is being done by a robot or dunning, being done through some automated fashion. Uh, second, as you start to move into AV and EV structures, uh, there's not as many moving parts in those particular vehicles. And, and ultimately, you're, you're putting a transistor in and that transistor basically doesn't have a moving part. It's all solid state. So therefore, there's not really a, a way to, to go through on and look at something. So I think what we're seeing and, and what's basically on the minds of a lot of the OSA members is, you know, where am I going to find that next generation? Two, how am I going to upskill that generation? And three, what happens with the uh, the skill loss as people start to think about uh, the pandemic? And, and ultimately, we see, you know, let it be the fifth generation or fourth generation retiring, either being forced for early retirement or forced because they don't want to return uh, because they're afraid of what might occur in regards to uh, catching the virus. So I think a lot of things that are going on within HR are specific to, you know, finding the right person, keeping the right person, training the right person, and then making sure that that skill uh, maintenance, that skill capability uh, is still maintained within the organization and is passed on to uh, whatever skill set or, or generation needs to move forth. I think the last point of that is, is early retirement is, is an interesting process. It's not affecting just automotive. It's affecting a lot more industries than automotive. Yes. And one of the things that uh, we're going to see probably over the course of the next 12 to 18 months is, is an upflow of the baby boomers and, and all of those individuals who have said, okay, I want to go one more year. I want to stay one more year is no longer, you know, that's something they're not going to be looking for. There's something they're going to say, okay, I've, I've had it. I've had enough. I'm going to go do something else. And that something else may or may not be within the same industry set. So what happens to the organizations and the technology that, uh, and the, and the skill sets those individuals have when they basically walk out planned or unplanned. And so organizations have to be one proactive as well as, is managing that talent pool and then understanding, you know, what skilling needs to happen across the board on those resources. So I think it's, it's definitely on the minds of, of a lot of individuals and, and uh, including the conversation we had just last week on, with the CFO roundtable where we actually talked about that. And, and it, was, it was a very, very you know, interesting topic uh, from finance all the way down to HR. Thank you. Great perspectives from both of you on the workforce. And I have one more workforce-related question. We have a few more minutes left to our 
our interview time here. The contingent workforce, what did they need in terms of shifts in employment skills? We talked a little bit about that, Tom, with you and with Mike as well. Contingent workforce, why don't we define who that is? Are they the ones who are going to say, are they like gig workers? Well, I'll work Mm -hmm. only over the Christmas holiday because I need some extra money for my family. Or I'll only work, let's say it's a boomer, Tom, and they want to go to Florida if people are still going to Florida. for They want to go be a snowbird, but they want to be in Michigan working in a factory the rest of the year. Is that who we're talking about? Mike Dar, why don't you start this off and then we'll we'll kick it over to Tom Madonna and then we'll wrap it up. Go ahead, Mike. Sounds good. Thank you. Um, and yes, I think a big piece of this is what, you know, is now being called the gig economy. Um, and, uh, you know, given the acceleration in into the gig economy, economy that we've all experienced through the through the COVID crisis, um, people are choosing um, different approaches to work, and you know, savvy companies um, can embrace that, um, can provide ways to engage those, some of which may be highly skilled, decades and decades of of, uh, of expertise in a particular industry or subject matter. Um, those people may have chosen to um, leave their current positions or, or current um, type of work, but may still have uh, a longing in order to contribute, in order to um, share their skills, their knowledge um, with others, or uh, you know, simply to um, have a, a, a type of employment that enables them a degree of flexibility that they've grown to or even appreciate um, during these times. So you know, recognizing that and enabling it, equipping um, access um, for those individuals individuals to enhance collaboration tools, be they tools like Zoom that we're using today or mm-hmm. other like um, products. Um, and then even beyond the event um, that we're having through these sorts of tools, what um, tools are you um, are you providing for them? Um, how are they able to work with their their colleagues who may be in an in person in person um, scenario or or may also still be working remotely? All of these things um, have accelerated quickly, um, and uh, and companies uh, need to be able to um, to their those those team members be they. Uh, core employees, or whether they be contingent workers, um, in order to maximize the benefit, the skills, the input, and all of those things that that I think these people be able to. Provide. So, thank my you, my two cents on that. Thank you, appreciate mm-hmm. that. We've got three minutes left, Tom Madonna. Why don't you fill two of those three minutes, and then I'll do the wrap up at the end. <laughs> Tom, what do you think? Contingent workers, who are they? Where are they going? Are they flying here to there? Are they people who are in the mood to work or not? I don't know. What do you see? I think it's all a little bit of all of the above. I think Mike started on a, on a good point. I think there's like three or four groups. I mean, there's those that would be basically hourly uh, workers. There's those that would be um, individuals who have moved off of a of a a W-2 or a 1020, a 10, 1099. There's the individuals who have wanted to go to a part-time structure. You know, one of the things that came up last week on the, mm-hmm. on the conversation was an interesting way of companies looking at uh, keeping the skilled workforce, but yet reducing it, uh, the actual cost of, of labor. And what they did was they actually gave people options to go 50% of the time going forth. And so two people going 50% reduced the headcount by one. So long and short, you were able to keep the skills on individuals, but yet, uh, you know, keep mm-hmm. the individual in, engaged. 
But I see the contingent workforce being any of the above. And so the question becomes, how do you track these particular resources outside your organization? These are individuals who typically are not going to be W-2. How are you going to track their skills? How are you going to make sure that when you are looking for another role going forth, that those skills are pulled forth? And how do you manage that in regards to getting the best price for the best skill set? So all of those pieces are, are kind of things that we're looking at and seeing now. And again, I think the options are, are boundless based upon the way things are coming in, based upon the number of people and what they want to do. I mean, again, back to the remote versus you know, being in person. The remote possibilities right now are, are endless in regards to people working and, and giving uh, abilities and, and, and their experiences to the organizations they're working with, irrespective of where they live, which is you know, kind of one of Bill Newman's uh, great things. He says, you, know, you can work uh, anywhere now and live anywhere now. So what is that going to do to the industry and what's that going to do to a lot of the different industries as they move forth? So yep. nice topic. So true. Thank you very much. I really appreciated the insights from both of you. And thank you for, I know you're both extremely busy, which is a good thing. And I want to <laughs> just give a heads up to our listeners. There's something very exciting coming up November 9th through 11th is the journey dot, dot, dot back to the future. It's the OESA 2020 automotive supplier conference. And it's virtual because they care about your safety. An exciting place to be. Lots of great keynote speakers are already lined up. Everybody's going to want to be there in automotive, whatever your relationship is to the industry. Want more information? Go to OESA.org. I want to thank Mike Dar, Cap Gemini. Mike, thank you to you and your colleagues at Cap Gemini. Uh, we, we've spoken with Mike Lakovic before. We have Dan Chamberlain. And thank you so much, Tom Madonna. Thank you from SAP. And we appreciate you. And uh, we did a segment earlier today with your colleague, Bill Newman at SAP. Thank you to Adam Slayman at OESA for putting this together. And everybody wave goodbye. And I'm going to say be safe, be savvy, be smart, and have a good ride. Vroom, Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Automotive Insiders. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.